I greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters. Thank you for taking this opportunity to join us for our 15th webinar. We're so grateful that you took the time to join us. And our webinar today is on not missing moments with a loving God. And we're coming live to you from different parts of Africa, from Grand Rapids in the US, and all over Africa. I would like to take this opportunity to let you know our panelists. We have our VP Strategic Planning, Africa Region, Dan Kremer. We have our editor, Africa Region, Mr. Ishai Nua. We have our country director, South Africa, Patrick Damini. And we have our digital coordinator for Africa, Mr. Oyeyemi Falei. And I'll be your moderator, Maureen Karanja from Nairobi, Kenya. And now without further ado, I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome our brother Patrick from down south of Africa to open for us with a word of prayer. Welcome Patrick. Thank you very much. Let us pray. Father, we wanna thank you for the awesome privilege that we have of being able to enter your presence. Lord God, would you prepare our hearts that, Lord, once again, through your spirit, you may equip us and stir up a longing within our hearts to be able to spend that precious time with you, God. So, Father, I'm asking you that you'll empower the speaker today, that as he speaks, you'll speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and that, Father, that our hearts will be open to receive of you. We thank you and honor you for this precious time. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Patrick. And now it's my pleasure to welcome our VP uh, Strategic Planning for Africa, Dan Kremer, to introduce himself and also have the opportunity to introduce our speaker for today. Welcome, Dan. Thank you, Maureen, and thank you, Patrick, for the prayer. It's a privilege to be here and to be a part of this. And part of my role is to uh, develop new partners towards a different type of mission to engage people, their churches, and church networks into looking towards God's fulfilling word of scripture. Um, in doing that, I encounter a lot of people around Africa, and that is just my joy of journey through life right now. And so it's an honor to be here and see some of those people participate, which includes Pastor Elisha. Um, I met Pastor Elisha five years ago. Um, as I was engaged in another mission, and it was in Bible translation. And as um, I was always looking for new partners and new places to go, um, I always looked for these quality people who said they understood the mission of how important God's word was. Uh, I didn't encounter Pastor Elijah first by, by meeting him face to face. It was through a friend who met him, and they were celebrating Martin Luther's 500th anniversary of his thesis. And I thought, there's a man who actually understands. Anybody who makes the journey from somewhere else in the world to go and celebrate that um, knows about Christian heritage that, that they have at a foundation. And so 
um, what happened is someone gave a presentation and all of these people signed up for the presentation. Well, I met the man who gave the presentation and he gave me a list of contacts and they were on these pieces of paper. They were all balled up because they had traveled very far. And he said, here, I want you to have these names. I don't know if anybody will really take what you're offering seriously, but try. And so I took these names and I was in the Philippines at the time. I flew back home and there was a Sunday morning just before church where I said, I need to email each one of these names. And I had about 40 of them. And not one of them responded except Pastor Elisha. Um, and he's from you know, Uganda, Rukundiri, Uganda. And it's a smaller city on the west side of Uganda. Yeah, and we quickly started to talk about the potential of training people and growing people. And I really liked his passion for that, even in email. And I said, I think I need to come see what you're doing. And with excitement, we planned a visit and I came to Uganda. When I came there, what I encountered uh, was a group of people and a church. And this group of people in a church were so polite and kind. Um, they just kind of, they gave me the floor and they welcomed me and they listened. And pastor was probably the most humble among them. And he just listened. And, and I, I didn't know really what we were going to do, or where we were going to, going to uh, journey together. But I was giving a presentation. One of his people, um, key leaders stood up and he said, I need to tell you about our heart for ministry. And he went on and he represented that ministry. And I noticed many things from that. I didn't just hear about a great ministry in a church. I didn't just hear about a great ministry in the region or an unusual ministry in Uganda or even in Africa. I was hearing some unusual characteristics for anywhere in the world. And I thought, who is this leader who groomed these other leaders to do such work in such a way of quality? And, he, and I stopped my speech and my, my thoughts of where we were going to go. And I said, I don't need to be leading where we go. I need to be listening to where we go. And that was my journey in meeting Pastor Elijah. And, and that was met with, with great, great growth after that. Everything that we did together was a journey of growth. But let me tell you about some of the things that, that they do in ministry and he does in ministry and he leads. First thing that I would say is um, he really has a heart for the new church and they are church planters. In the time that I've known them, they've uh, planted at least 15 more churches, which in, is in five years, but they are over 70 churches um, in church planting at this time um, and have spent a great ministry in doing that. He also is um, very heavy into radio ministry, reaching over a million people in his audience. Uh, they are engaged in Bible translation to this day. They are, they are engaged in deaf ministry, which is rare for anyone in the world. Um, but they are doing some amazing things for the deaf and the deaf blind. Uh, they are reaching the Ministry of Education in some of this ministry for the deaf blind. Um, uh, they are also uh, reaching out into some new things with Our Daily Bread, which includes looking towards the police ministry and doing some church curriculum building and looking at the literacy program that we have to offer. Above that, he is a great father. Uh, he is a great husband. Um, I know their family personally. He is a great friend to his leaders. He is a mentor to many, and he's a great friend to me. 
I would love to welcome Pastor Elisha to uh, speak to us now. He is a man of a great passion, great vision, but most of all, just a great heart for God. So welcome, Pastor Elisha, and thank you for being a part of this today. Wow. Um, what a privilege, what an opportunity uh, to be introduced to these great people um, uh, this evening here, maybe in the morning at your side. <laughs> and uh, I know we are at, at different timelines. Please, every time where I is honored and respected, and God bless you. Uh, thank you so much, my dear brother Dan. I believe our meeting was really, really divine. And I have realized that uh, big things have always begun small. Great visions and, and, and happenings started small. So I didn't know that God had all these plans when we were starting, when I met with you first time physically. And we all agreed, we don't know why we're here. We don't know why this meeting is happening. And as I always say, we are yet to see more that is in God's store. So uh, thank you so much. I want to share today um, about, as uh, our sister Maureen introduced the topic, not missing a moment with a loving God. Not missing a moment with a loving God. Wow, uh, our God is so loving, and because He's so loving, we are here today together. And that means so, He's so loving, and He has even a bigger plan than what we can articulate right now. But I believe He's up to something even bigger than what we can see and know. So don't miss the moment with a loving God. And I want to uh, majorly talk about uh, something or a lesson from uh, the book of Luth. And particularly, I want to see how God used this Moabite woman uh, called Luth. Um, uh, Luth, I call Luth a mighty woman. I call her a, a, a woman of valor, a great woman. I call her um, a great woman, a mother of many, I call her a courageous woman, a woman that a uh, uh, vision, a woman sees beyond. She's the, a woman who comes from a very dangerous background of the Moabites, but then she emerges. I believe we, the story of the book of Ruth, you are all aware. And uh, you know, the end of the story, that when you read the book of Matthew chapter one, we see the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And you know, in that particular portion of scripture, we find Luth appearing there. And you want to ask, what's that? And you say, oh, I do not want to miss the moment with a loving God. So today, I know God's gonna bless us together as we read and dive into uh, Luth, Chapter one, I will, I will not go into the other chapters, but I will just because of the time, we have to be in 
uh, this particular chapter, and I read also, I read a few verses. Loving Father, we thank you once again as we go into the word. I pray you open our understanding together with my brothers and sisters across the globe. And as we need to learn from you, and I pray, Father, that uh, this message will take us home for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. I want to uh, read uh, the book of Ruth, chapter 1, and I'll read a few verses, and then I'll summarize in the name of the Lord. Um, in the days, Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a family in the land. So the man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the company, uh, in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elmerich. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kirion. They were Ephraites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. But three, now Elmerich, Naomi's husband died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Opa and the other Luth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Melon and Kirion also died. And Naomi was left with her two sons, uh, was, uh, sorry, Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Uh -huh. And when you continue the story, uh, the Bible says, uh, Naomi time came that she had actually in Bethlehem that food had come and people were enjoying life. Uh, food had come back. And uh, these were 10 years later. And uh, here she says, let me go back. And I have to go back. But because I have to go back, I have to go alone. And she tells her two daughters-in-law, please, you're going to stay. I have to go home and find my people and serve my God. So you also go back and serve your people and serve your God and go back to your country, to your parents. And the Bible says they refused. They say, we've got to go together with you. And the, she insisted, but at insisting in verse, verse 14, at this they wept aloud. Then Opa kissed her mother in a law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister in law is gone back to her people and her gods to uh, go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to help, uh, to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Uh, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And, uh, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it even 
it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me, when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped uh, urging her. Aha, wow. And the rest of the story, we see Naomi going and Ruth going with her and she reaches there. And you know the rest of the story, how she later uh, gets married and later uh, uh, she connects with the family of David and later she's in the family of uh, the great man, the global, the savior of the world, uh, this greatest Jew and the greatest human being ever lived called Jesus Christ, our Lord and our master, our savior. We see Naomi, a Moabite woman um, um, on, this, on this stage. So it's a story it's, which is about me, a story that's about you, but a story also that shows us that God is behind the scene of everything. And God is a loving God. He does not miss any moment in life. And he uses any moment to bless his children, to bless the church, to bless the world, to bless tribes, to bless anyone who is called upon his name or who takes attention and says, oh, I want to be part of this. She discovered that she was not a simple woman. She was an ego. So Ruth represents Africa, represents America, represents Europe, represents us or our families. But particularly here, I want to uh, 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 attach her to African continent, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, Ruth, she says, you know, she comes from a family of the Moab. Moab, you all as you know, Moab comes from the Moabites. It comes is a family of incest. Uh, this was the family of Lot. You remember Lot, and Lot uh, gets drunk by the daughters, and she he sleeps with one of them. He produces, and later he drank, he drinks again by the daughters of also making drink. He produces another son, but this particular one. Um, he, call, he calls the son Moab, and Moab, Moab multiplies. You see, when God has one person, he can make a nation. So a nation comes from there. And these people become detestable to the Jews, the people of Israel. And Ruth is among those ones. Now, put that one aside. Now, here, we see this beautiful story. This beautiful story happens. We have Ruth and all this. Um, the story of Ruth happens uh, happens um, uh, during the time when the judges uh, were ruling were of that time, and the people uh, did whatever seemed good to them. It was the time you know Israel had kings before, but it had kings. But this time, before the kings comes in, we see Moses leading, we see Joshua leading, and after Joshua, we see the judges leading. And later we see them claiming for a king. But here, they had no lead after Joshua has gone. All throughout this book of Judges, we see the judges. 
And when you end in the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, uh, the Bible says, and uh, during those days, Israel had no God, and the people did uh, whatever seemed good to them. So that is the time when this story of Elimelech lost and his family, their family happens. Now, it happened because what was happening in the book of Joshua contributed a lot what, of what happened to this family. Because there was no leader, and this is the lesson that I learned first of all from this portion of scripture that I want us to learn from. This happens because there was no leader for the nation of Israel. In Bible says, everyone would did whatever seemed good to them. Leaders are very important because it was a crisis came and the crisis was famine, lack of food. They needed food, and because they needed food, and this place you all know best means house of house of blood. During that time, they needed a leader to stand up and tell the people, yes, we have famine, but we are living in the right place. Bethlehem means house of blood. Even when we do not have blood, but blood will come back again. But there was no leader to speak to them. And this is what I learned, friends are uh, listening to me and able to see me. Where there are no leaders, people are, are perish. Leaders are very important in any continent. Leaders are very important in any country. Great ministries, great organizations are made by great leaders. Leaders make things happen. That's why John Maxwell said that, uh, that all things rises and falls on leadership. There is a leadership crisis globally. It did not only happen here, but even today we have a crisis of leaders. Leaders organize nations. Leaders organize continents. Leaders organize organizations. Leaders organize families. Organize organized communities where there are no leaders, people who are called to organize, people are called to bring order, things to go bazaka. People make wrong decisions because there are no leaders to guide them. When global crisis has come, that's when a time leaders should come in. We have seen this in Uganda when COVID came. And many leaders missed their countries during the COVID. Actually, some people lost their lives because the nations, their nation's leadership was not very keen to know what to do at what time. I remember in Uganda, our president became very popular during those days. Even all the people of the opposition were respecting him. He would come once a week and would speak on the TV and would give guidelines, would give counsel, would say, okay, at this moment, you are, all of you are going to stay at home. No one is allowed to travel. If you want to travel, just go to buy something, go on a bicycle and you should be allowed to go there. So she gave us direction and we ended up uh, becoming one of the countries in the world which managed COVID very well. We struggled 
There are times when we had uh, the trucks traveling from Kenya and going to Sudan, others going to Rwanda, and the drivers of those trucks had a lot of COVID. So the people of Uganda would say, please, can you stop those trucks? He said, when we stop them, we will die. We rather manage COVID, but not managing, you know, managing what will come as a result of those people not passing here. But it, the COVID was increasing every now and then, and the Ugandans were like, stop them, not cross our country. And the president would come and say, no. Later, we all realized we needed them actually to pass through our country. So the leader would stand on his word. I want you to know that Africa, where it is now, it needs leaders. Eh? We need leaders, not only leaders, but leaders who are filled with the Holy Spirit. All these crises that you hear, it is because our leaders sometimes, they look at small things, they look at themselves, and they don't articulate some of the important issues that are affecting the continent or particular uh, countries. So I would like you to know there's a leadership crisis that you need to pray. Even we all know that God has given us now the church mandate. The, uh, we have the, the mandate of the church, this church planting, solo winning. It's more taking place in Africa. Now, Africa needs leaders to lead the church because the globe is now looking at Africa. They're saying, Africa, what do you have to offer? But then we must have the spiritual leaders to articulate this to us. We must, because we know the globe is wanting us to add a brick to what God is doing through their countries and other parts of the world. But do we have the leaders that are able to lead through crisis, that are able to lead through challenges, you know? Are we able to raise missionaries that will not only look into their countries, but will look even beyond Africa, that will take the gospel to other parts of the world? We are always, we are not actually choosing, but we are always reported upon that the church in Africa is growing, but it is, it is, it is one kilometer long, but one inch deep. We are not discipling the people. Do we have a system? of discipling the people. That's why it's the time for us now to dream about um, uh, our daily bread Africa, contextualizing, do we have, are we ready to disciple the people? What are we going to export? What are we going to send if the people are not discipled? I pray that the people listening to me right now, you be one of those men, you be one of those women who will add a break, who will say, let's take it over, let's take this together and promote it and take it to another level. Because you are the leader. If you don't raise, the people will make wrong decisions. That's why any marriage ends that his family ends up in a wrong place. Listen to this. Always when there's a problem, the devil makes sure there's food, there is, a, there is a solution somewhere in a wrong place. When, 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 when Bethlehem was lacking food, there was food in Moab, a wrong place for them. But they ended up going there. He ended up making a wrong decision and he went there. And you all know what happened. And then wrong decision is... The second point here, wrong decisions lead to wrong destinies. Every marriage responded 
to the time of Christ by going to find food in a wrong place, which was forbidden. Now, friends, I want you to be careful the way you make decisions. Because any decision you make at your level, it can affect your family. If you're a leader of a community, then some of the decisions you make can affect that community, community's future. Leaders of nations make decisions and they affect their countries. There are some leaders that God has put at a global level, a global level. One decision affects, can kill millions upon millions of people because you have made a wrong, a very wrong decision. This man made a wrong decision and he went to a wrong place and he died there. His two sons died there. Don't just wake up and make a decision. You are very, you are very important. But also the ones, the decision you make, especially during crisis, before you make any decision, first you know, what, what should I do? What should we do for my family? What should we do for Africa? What should we do? Before you cancel something, before you, you, you say, let's stop this idea, before you close an organization, before you close the church, before you close a certain, you know, company you are working for, first sit and make right decisions because one decision can kill different families or can stop many people's futures. So we see in this particular situation, uh, this family struggling because this man made a wrong decision. We are at a time when we need people who can help us to make the great decisions that can cause transformation, that can cause development in our continent, but also the decisions that can help the, 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 the decaying continents also waking up for the glory of God. But also something else that we learn from here. I see that commitment to God always comes through commitment to people. God used Ruth so much than he used Naomi, but before, before God used this woman, Naomi, she had already seen Naomi. God bring people your way for a reason. Those people you think you do not need today, tomorrow you will need them. Naomi, Naomi is being used of God to come the line of Jesus Christ. Than, than now, now, I mean, Ruth comes the line of Jesus Christ than even Naomi. We read more about Ruth than Naomi. But behind Ruth, there is Naomi. Let's go back now to Moab. We see this woman wants to come and she tells the lady, stay. And Ruth says, I have discovered a great God. I am a Moabite woman. I am a caste woman. I come from a poor country, a poor continent. I come from a poor family. I come from people who are not regarded as important. I come from people that are considered that they can do nothing good. Hmm? 
So I have discovered a God above every other God. I've been studying small gods. Now I've discovered a great God in you, Naomi. And Naomi now she's telling them, I am old. I can't conceive again. And even if I conceived and produced, would you wait for that boy, that son to grow and marry you? And Ruth, Ruth, she's saying, no, I'm not looking at you now particularly. I'm not looking at what you're going to produce. I'm not looking at your children. I'm looking at the God behind the Jews. I'm looking at the God, the, the God of the Jews. Yes, I know. I will go with you. And Opa, Opa says, let me go back. Why? Opa was a short-sighted woman. She had not seen more. She had not seen beyond Naomi. She had seen only a husband. She did not see beyond the husband. On the other hand, Ruth had seen beyond the husband. Even when he died, he said, I still have to attach myself to this great family. Do not be a, a short-sighted person. Do not be a person who sees here. We must be people who see beyond. If we begin thinking about into our cultures, I'm an African, I'm from this country, I'm from here, I'm weak, I'm poor, I'm needy. We are not going to add any value on the globe. We are not going, we, we are not going to add a brick on what God is doing globally. Today, as my brother Dan was introducing, talking about church planting, we are doing church planting. We are involved in this scripture translation, but we are not only looking at our country, we are looking at other countries. Recently, we, of course, God used us in that area and we did 10 languages in the Congo. You know, we, we are targeting also Southern Sudan. I know there is some work being done there, but we are looking into these other areas that are not reached to make sure the Bible is translated for every language. But also we are looking at to make sure churches are planted everywhere, not only, not only in Uganda, because one of the things we are doing is to make sure we, we actually catalyze the church planting movement because it is a time for Africa to go beyond and take the gospel to other parts of the world. But if we are to do that, we must look beyond Africa. We must look beyond our shortcomings, our problems, our needs, and we look at what God, the God of the Jews, can do. And we must believe God for great, for great opportunities, but also for bigger doors, but also believe God that God will use us, regardless of our background. He wants to use us. When God finds one man, when God finds one woman, he can do amazing, amazing things. Amazing things. So Luth. He says, you know, I will be on you. And that's why I say that before commitment, before a commitment to God always comes through commitment to people. Sometimes God wants people to cling to people. A person who takes you to another level is next to you. 
So sometimes we neglect people that God brings in our lives. And those are the particular people to bring a breakthrough in our lives. They could be weaker. Naume was a weak woman. Naume was a complaining woman. Naume was a bitter. Naume was not a good wife, actually, because she never advised the husband when they are making decisions. She was like, let's go, whatever happens. She was not, she was like, I'm bitter. Even when he went back, she says, don't call me Naume, call me bitter, that woman. But you know, Luth said, I still need you. You could be having leaders who are like in Naomi. You still need them. We need leaders in our lives. I respect leaders. We respect them. Those leaders, they may not do big things that like we are going to do. Uh -huh. Some of you, God is going to use you bigger than your leaders, but you must respect the leaders God has brought in your life. Let me conclude this message. Praise the Lord. God um, uh, used Naume because Naume was able to see the invisible. I want to ask upon all of you that let us see the invisible. Seeing invisible, the Bible talks about uh, uh, Abraham saw the invisible. You must see the invisible because Ruth to clung to Naume, she had seen the invisible. She had seen the future. She never went back. We must see Africa to another level. We must see our daily bread Africa because our daily bread helps people to be discipled. We need to disciple Africa. We must see the invisible future. We must see what missions came and did in Africa. We must see us doing it now even more. We should not look at our challenges, our poverty, our lack of money, lack of people, lack of education, lack of infrastructure. We must underlook those ones and see beyond. Our God is bigger than any problem, any challenge, any poverty. You know, we we people here, we are used of challenges. We we in Africa, that's why we we are preaching this gospel in the time because God has trained us to be people of challenges. We can eat any kind of food. We can sleep on any kind of bed. We can go in any kind of place. We can use any means of transportation. So we are prepared and you are ready. You cannot be a gospel preacher if you are not able to endure problems and challenges and discouragements like Ruth was discouraged. So we don't hear discouragements. We see the invisible. We see beyond the man's predicaments. See beyond the challenges. Today, I commission you. I put the entire globe of uh, the entire continent of Africa on you. Be a seer and beyond, seeing beyond. In the name of our Lord. May God bless you. Wow. So I think my words of you being passionate are actually understated. Um, so uh, thank you for your words. Um, it makes me want to come back uh, and fly to Africa today. Um, and it actually makes me excited about what's coming for Africa, really. Coming from the West, I envy some of the activity that's happening, and, and you're part of that, and I want to thank you for it. I want everyone to know um, your passion here is your passion everywhere, and I've seen it in multiple settings for different things, and your words are not just words, they're actions, um, and one example is I know that you have 
um, taken some things that are materials that are saying it's not good enough for African context. And you've taken up the initiative to make that. Um, you and your group have made some things just for African marriage that I know we're going to be sharing um, across the continent. And your work is, is always blessed by God, um, by, by the leadership that you are you are forming and that you are demonstrating. So thank you so much for that. And I'll turn it over for any type of next steps or questions and answers. All right. <clears throat> thank you very much, sir. And thank you for that wonderful uh, teaching moment. May God continue to bless you, sir. So we're at the question and answer uh, segments now. If you want to ask a question verbally, you can click on the raise hand icon and I will mute you to speak. Or if you want to put it in the question and answer box, you can drop it there while I read it out. Um, okay. While we wait for questions, I have a question. Uh, and my question is, how, how do we differentiate between um, when God is talking to us and when we are talking to ourselves in order not to miss a moment with God? <laughs> wow. When do we know God is talking to us and uh, when we are talking to ourselves? Um it's a tricky question, definitely, and a great question, because people all over the world are yearning. They want God to speak to them. They want God to speak to them. And everyone, everyone wants, say, I want God to speak to me. When you go to the book of Hebrews, chapter one, it talks about how God is talked to our great, great father through our prophets. And God would come and say, um, he would come and say, uh, uh, brother Yemi. For example, are you married? Yes, sir. <laughs> right. right. Uh -huh. I don't know how God spoke to you to marry your wife, but uh, something. <laughs> this I'm praying. I am waiting upon God to tell him the right person to marry. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, uh, so they are waiting for that kind of voice for God to come and tell them. Probably they are waiting for the voice from the mountain. They are waiting for the voice from the hill or from somewhere. But I want to say that um, many times, actually, when you 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 feel doing something and doing going somewhere, God word has spoken. Because when, as long as you. Uh, uh, there was someone on WhatsApp and was like, I want, he was kneeling down. I saw this this picture on WhatsApp. I many, I think you you might have seen. She was kneeling down and said, "Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Speak to me." And I saw a hand penetrating the clouds and was bringing a Bible and was giving me a Bible, meaning read the word, <laughs> read the word. So my brother. The main, the main voice of God speaking to the children is this. I, I always tell you, you know, for, for example, the area where I am 
I've been here for 17 South Western Uganda. I've been serving here for 17 years. When I was coming, my pastor sent me and he said, go there and help us launch a church there and come back. It is a local, it's a it's a village setting. And I, I said, I don't want. And when I go there, I'll make sure the church dies and I come back to the capital city. I want to be in the camp. I don't want to be in the village. I'm going to kill the church. And I ended up today, we're talking about 74 actual churches. But you know, I tell the people, did God tell you, did you have a doom? I said, I never had anything, but what I came to do, I came to do the Great Commission because church planting is under the Great Commission. All oh, what God is doing through me, he speaks now through me, but majorly through um, obeying the Great Commission. It is clear, he said, go. As long as you go, God has spoken. That. The voice of waiting for prophet, waiting for <laughs> someone. Sometimes it is challenging. So the main voice, how God speaks, is this: the Bible. By the way, this is the Bible I'm holding. <laughs> so, I others can help, but that's what I can say. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for that response. Yeah, um, we're still waiting for people to drop their question. Uh, by the way, we have a comment from John. John is saying, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Elisha and ODB. You are a blessing. And I look forward to meeting you again on this means. Okay, we have a question now from Julia. Julia is saying, um, wow, Holy Spirit moving. Blessed by this presentation by Pastor Elisha. If you sense you are at a point, you are isolating from some family members, friends, social media, etc. mostly because you want to hear God more by shutting out other voices. Does this translate to rejecting God's planned relations? Also, there are those you feel ought. You so just want to keep off toxic relationship. Is that Christ-like? I hope I understand the question. Oh, should um, I take it again? Again, yes. One more time. Okay. Yeah. So she's asking that if you sense you are at a point, you are isolating from some family members, friends, social media, etc., mostly because you want to hear God more by shutting out other voices, does this translate to rejecting God's planned relations? Then secondly, that there are those you feel ought you so just want to keep off toxic relationship is that christ-like yeah the, the second part i'll just say yes uh sometimes not only sometimes but always you need to 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 cut yourself off from certain people <laughs> anyone who does not add value on your life and takes our value from you I advise you, uh, reduce your time with them. And if they are totally negative, well, this is what I realized. Um, they, are God, they are people God has called me to help and actually to show a way and to save through the name of the Lord. But there are those I realized I will not, I will not, I will not do this to everybody. There are people I realize actually I'm not going to help them but they actually destroying my spiritual life. I disassociate myself from them. 
because I, I, that's why I say yes, if you actually Christ-like, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot always be a man of everybody. You cannot please everybody. The moment you try to please everybody, you are going, going to have to displease everybody. So, um, cutting yourself off part of the question and from the family members and from this social media, um, it's not always the, the way that God speaks because, uh, you know, God speaks to us through many ways. Many ways. It's like when I was answering your question, I, I referred you to what I, I saw on WhatsApp. God can speak to you through WhatsApp. God can speak to you through uh, Facebook, Twitter, Zoom, anywhere. So when you cut yourself from entirely from all these things and say, I want to uh, hear from God, I want to assure you, God will speak to you even that way. But it shouldn't be always isolation that you always should isolate yourself from all these others in order God to speak to you. But it's important to find some time and be alone, even when you put off the phone, even where you are not on the computer, even when you say, I want to hear from God and you are, but remember, don't forget the Bible. You still go with your Bible. <laughs> you read your Bible in that area. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, sir. Um, I have a question here from uh, Mrs. Infusu from Botswana. Um, she says, greetings in Jesus' name. Thanks very much for the presentation. May God richly bless you and enlarge your territory. You mentioned that Elimelech, Ruth's husband, made a wrong decision by going to Moab. Was it not a blessing in disguise that one of his sons married a Moab, Ruth, who later became the great-great-grandmother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Oh. Uh -huh. Remember, thank you so much, our sister from Botswana. Um, remember, our topic is not missing a moment with a loving God. God is amazing. Sometimes he uses our mistakes <laughs> and, and he still saves people. And uh, it's like a girl, if she, a believer born again and she here she conceives, that's a mistake. That's not acceptable in a, in a, in a, in a Christian community. But you know, you can produce a child and this child becomes great. <laughs> I want to give you another example. Uh, David, he, he kills a man, Uriah, and then he, uh, he marries the wife. And the first son dies, and the, the second son, you know his name? It's called Solomon, the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer of the Song of Songs, the writer of many of the portions of the book of uh, Proverbs. We know him as the wisest man ever lived, the greatest son of David. But he comes from that kind of mistake his father did. Sometimes, sometimes our mistakes, we cannot keep, we, we shouldn't make mistakes thinking God would use them 
But because God is a loving God, he intervenes. He intervenes. He intervenes. If I was there to advise, I would have told any marriage, don't go. And you are my brother. In our language here, we say, Gumiki a little bit more. And you are, something is about to happen. Maybe that kind of thing. So, yes, blessing these guys, but God just intervened. <laughs> Always intervenes in our mistakes, but shouldn't be the way. Thank you. I hope it answers. Yeah, I've also got a question. Okay, I have two more questions. Let me quickly take them. Uh, I have one from Charles. Charles is asking, saying, thank you for your presentation. My question is, how do you know that God wants me to plant a church in a specific place? What are the major preparations needed? Oh, how do you... Oh, how do you know God wants me to plant a church in this particular place? And how yes. do I, how do I yeah, prepare? What major yeah. Okay, there are many ways of planting a church. And uh, uh, first of all, I want to confirm to my brother Charles that God wants you to plant. The fact that you have asked that question, God wants you to plant a church. <laughs> God wants you to plant that church, my brother, actually churches, you're a church planter. And uh, the way you want to know that God wants uh, me to plant a church in this particular place, um, I really don't know. I really don't know. But because for me, my eyes, uh, um, everywhere I go, I say place where to plant a church. But one of the ways is to know, do we have churches in this area? If that area, that place has, has no church, please put a church in that location. If there's no church, put a church there. You don't need even to ask God, God, can I put a church here? Automatically, God's answer will say, yes, put a church there. But how to get prepared for planting a church is um, for you, the church planter, to probably uh, talk to your leader. If you are under leadership, talk to them, and you make um, a mapping, and you survey that area and begin uh, those things that you need to do to make sure the church is started. But to make it very, very simple. Don't make it very complicated. Don't make it big budgets. When you make a budget, you might never make a church, especially in African setting. We don't, my budgets don't work so much. I'm sorry to mention that budgets, I believe budgets, they are very, very important, but sometimes we make a bigger budgets and we end up not doing what God has called us to do. I always tell people, the budget will find you there. Some of the things you need, they'll find you there after you have already started. If you tie yourself on the budget, you'll never start. Thank you. Um, let me take this last question here. Now, this question is coming from Livingstone Ole Koma from Nigeria. And he says, thank you, Pastor, for elucidating passionately on the life of Ruth, as well as those she came to be associated with. Is it praiseworthy to begin a course of action and in meeting with challenges, stopping abruptly as one does not know what else to do, despite having the right association of believers? Also, how can youths come out of the debt that is lack of examples to becoming what God wants them to be? Can you repeat that question so that we get clear? Okay, sir. Yeah, it's saying... Um, is it praiseworthy 
to begin a course of action and in meeting with challenges, stopping abruptly as one does not know what else to do, despite having the right association of believers. And also, how can youth come out of their dirt, lack of examples, to becoming what God wants them to be? Um, yeah, it's very possible. It's very, very, very possible for you to stop along the way. Even when you have the right cause, you have the right dream, even when, according to our other question is, even when God has spoken to you, I'm very sure I, God spoke to me and you can stop along the way. It's very, very possible. When you meet challenges. Now, this is what I want you to know that every dream, every action you do, in God's name, it will be tested. Even when you are very, very, very sure, 100% that God spoke to me, along the way, you will meet Red Sea. And Red Sea, cowardice go back. Always cowards go back. But when you meet problems, when you meet challenges, I want to affirm to you, that is God. When you find that you have many, many problems, then you should always know this is very, very godly. But it's always hard to take it to really be sure that God is in this. When you are experiencing a problem, a crisis, disappointments, you know, discouragement, you always don't see God there. But always we know that uh, opportunities always come wrapped in, in a mask or problems, opportunities, great people, or people who's beyond that, they always know, even when this has come, God spoke to me. That's what um, Caleb and uh, Joshua and Caleb saw when all the other 10 had described the people, Joshua and Caleb, they said, definitely God spoke to us. He gave us this land. He knew it would be having giants. We will take the land. That's why our brothers say, whose report would you believe? As long as God spoke, as long as you know you are doing something godly, you will not look into discouragement. Look in, you will not look into what people say you don't. So uh, majorly, you have to be focused and in every challenge, in every problem, in every circumstance, our challenge should be, I'm serving God. It should be godly, looking what God can do. You say, whether I die, whether I live, I will endure. I will stand on. I will continue doing it because it is the will of God. Yeah. Although sometimes you need wisdom, especially when you make a decision which need great, you know, wise men and women to say, uh, this is not going to work here. You can always look into it and take some counsel. We shouldn't also uh, underestimate the power of counsel. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much, sir. So we've come to the end of our question and answer segment. Um, this recording will be on our YouTube uh, channel tomorrow and on our website. And um, uh, if you are in uh, Nigeria or in any Western part of Africa, you can follow our Facebook page at, at ODB Nigeria. Uh, it's currently displayed on the screen. And if you are in any part in South Africa, 
you can follow us at, at Daily Bread South Africa. And for Kenya or any Eastern part, uh, if you're in any Eastern country, uh, you can follow us at our Daily Bread KE. And for our Twitter handle is at ODB underscore Kenya. Uh, Instagram is at our Daily Bread Africa. And our YouTube channel is at is our Daily Bread Africa as well. And you can also download our mobile app from Google Play Store and App Store. And remember to also visit our website, www.odb.org, to get more content and to read up on more of our projects and outreaches. And also remember to subscribe to our newsletters as well. Thank you. So I'll be adding, handing over to my regional editor, Ishaya Inua, for the vote of thanks and closing prayer. Sorry, sorry, can't see. Um, let me hand over to our host back then. Maureen. Thank you, Emmy, and thank you for taking that session uh, for the question and answers. And thank you for our participants who put in their questions. Above all, I want to thank Pastor Elisha. Thank you for taking this moment to take taking us through God's word and helping us uh, remember not to miss those moments of um, our loving God, those opportunities he gives us to basically be leaders because each and every one of us has insight, uh, has also the wisdom given by God and the talents given by God to be a leader in whatever capacity or environment that he has placed you in, God has given you a leadership skill. So it's upon us to take up that leadership skill and lead others and in a prayerful way, and above all, not to forget to hide the word of God in our hearts. Um, so at this moment, as we wait for Ishaya, I'm not sure he's able to reconnect. Excuse. I think he's having a bad audio. Okay. I'll kindly ask my brother John, if you can close for us in a word of prayer. John from South Africa. Yes, indeed. Thank you, George. Gracious Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together, folk from all over the continent. We thank you, Lord, for the encouragement. We thank you for indications of how we can really listen to you and hear what you have for us, what you're calling us to do, what's on your heart for us. And so we want to commit to you the message, as well as everyone that attended, I pray that the message would remain in our hearts and that we would continue to, to ponder on it and, and allow you to guide us in the way ahead. Thank you for our speakers. Thank you for those that have participated. We commit them all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, Pastor Elisha, for taking this moment to speak to us. We have enjoyed listening to you. And uh, we, I, we look forward to meeting you. We are across the border. We are not too far. We pray that God yeah. will open that door soon. And you're most welcome to Nairobi, Kenya. And thank you to our participants for taking the time to join us. And this is our moment to say, God bless you. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.